If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Oh, good morning, Tam Tam. How are you? I am coming back from the dead. How is this <laughs> the doctors? Because I think I I do believe that I manifested being sick. You know, you? because I well, I do because I finished the movie that I was shooting mm-hmm. two days ago. Oh my goodness, it was minus sixteen degrees Celsius, so about eighteen Fahrenheit. And I was just, I, I think I was just in the mindset that I cannot get sick for this film because as a lead of a film, like you can't, what are they going to do? You're in every scene. They can't, they, they can't move around you. So I just said to myself, I'm not going to get sick. But I said, the minute I get home, I know I'm going to crash. Like I know I'm going to get sick. And I was on four airplanes to get home. And every time someone coughed, I was like, there you go. That's going to be my cough. And then like clockwork, I get home and I'm sick. So I, you know, manifestation, I believe works in both ways. I feel like you, my body was ready to get sick. It's almost like it invited it in. It's like, please, did you just come to me? Virus. It was like, I am throwing in the towel right now and like, yeah, done, right? Yeah. And I know it's funny. Cause like, I know it's not COVID. Mm. Um, I don't know how COVID affects Cause you had it twice. Right. I feel yes. like COVID just felt very different. This is like the minute I got sick yesterday, I was like, oh, hello, old friend. I've known you for 30 something years. Like, you know, you know, the congestion, you know, the fevers, you know, whereas COVID just feels like a whole different beast. You're just, you're just really confused about sort of the next step. Yes, it's true. And like, and now because, you know, everything is like open, I feel like all the, all the old germs and bugs are coming right back to say hi, Yeah, you know? And I think we're confused by it because we didn't realize like how we normally do get sick right now. Mm -hmm. Our immune system is used to getting sick and getting Mm -hmm. better. Um, And now we're just, cause I hadn't been sick for like almost a year and a half (laughs) because everyone was, you know, masking up and we were, you know, sanitizing. So anyway, we'll get through the show with, with a lot of, uh, with a lot of um, Tylenol AM, so. <laughs> right? All that we need. I, it's yeah. Real. But I wanted to talk to you before we talk to our next mm. guest about um, um, you had a little bit of something done recently <gasps> that I wanted to talk about. I did. I did. So I made the big jump, um, as we have <laughs> talked about. <laughs> Which is like much- the antithesis of the show. <laughs> but what did you do, Roxy? So since the beginning of the show, we've kind of talked about, you know, things uh, such as plastic surgery and altering, you know, faces and doing things. Got a facelift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? I got a facelift. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah so um I decided to finally take the jump because I've been thinking about it for a very long time come on tell us and mama got drum roll please mama got her first Botox oh my goodness it scares me that completely makes me and and I want to talk to the next guest about like Mm -hmm. if you can live in alignment with being happy with yourself and also getting things done that make you also feel better. Like what's the fine line? Um, I want to get Botox so much. I kind of then just want to like fall in love with my wrinkles, but then I just can't. (laughs) So, so, um, but okay. So do you, does your face feel heavy at all? No, it actually feels okay. So I just got it done. I think three days ago. So the doctor said that it will take about two weeks to fully kick in. Right. It feels a little slower, but it's not as you can see. Okay, wait. See, I still. Wow, everyone who's watching, (laughs) doing (laughs) magic tricks. (laughs) So I told her. I mean, I was like, please, this is my first time, so I really want to. It's like baby Botox because I was like, I really want to be very light-handed with it. Yeah. I still want to be able to move my face, but I just, for me, you know, what was bothering me was that number 11 line. That's like Mm. right in the middle of your forehead. So I just really wanted to focus on that and some of the little crow's feet on the side, but she did it really light handed. And I have to say, 
for me, I think part of, part of it was, you know, I, you're like, well, why did you do it? What? So exactly. So my thing was for so long, well, you know how much I hate needles. You know, yeah, you pass out. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's exactly. pretty, pretty so that I was, I would say it's like 90% of it. If I <laughs> so that was the reason you didn't get it done. It wasn't like the fact that you're injecting yourself with like some foreign substance. It was the, <laughs> the, that's the problem. <laughs> that's, but the main part of the problem is a needle. If I don't have to come in contact with a needle, I'm a happy girl. But then the other 10% that was holding me back. You know, I thought it was sort of this really dramatic thing because you see varying degrees of it on different people, mm-hmm. right? But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I color my hair, you know, I do highlights, I work out, I do things to change my physical appearance in different ways. Like why is Botox or an injectable any different than that? And if it's going to make me feel better, why the fuck not? Right. Right. And look, and, and I'm excited for this podcast because Mm -hmm. I like, there's mo. I don't know, like I think about a year ago, I had this big epiphany that I I don't Mm -hmm. fully think that I completely and truly love myself mm. and I'm really on a mission I'm in my late 30s I'm really in a mission on a mission right now to like start loving myself mm-hmm. and I think it comes from and this is not a boohoo story and like I don't hate myself I don't wake up and I don't suffer depression mm-hmm. um, I don't wake up and think I'm a loser and I you know don't deserve anything but I don't fully embrace myself and I think it's again it's environmental it's how I was raised not my parents were very loving but was again a child actor mm-hmm. always picking yourself apart society the narrative surrounding beauty and aging and there is ageism and you know like what am I if I don't look young or if I don't look somewhat attractive like what 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 am I then like what is my worth right And so I'm on this like journey of like self-love and acceptance. And sometimes it just gets really exhausting to even like, you know, and I've read so many books, you wake up and you're like, okay, affirmations, talk to yourself in the mirror, you know, and sometimes you just want to stay in like the negativity. Sometimes the negativity feels really safe. Mm -hmm. And I like feel, I I know it very well. Like I like to live there. You know, Mm -hmm. like I wake up in the morning and I think negative thoughts and I have to change them again. It doesn't lead to depression, but it probably leads to a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and a lot of self-loathing. So, um, yeah, you tell me about you, Roxy, and then let's introduce our next guest. Oh gosh. I know it's, it's so strange because, you know, we've had people on the show and there is something to be said for sitting in those negative thoughts. It's like comforting almost like it's like an old friend, you know? But it's for me, it's been really interesting. The last, I would say month I've been in a really, like before this week, I was in like a really positive place, like Mm. positive vibes and like, you know, trying to live on a higher vibration and like good manifestations were happening and like things are coming and I'm just feeling good. And I feel like I'm in a flow and all this stuff. And then like things, something happened this weekend and it's kind of thrown me off course so I'm mm. trying to sort of get back to where I mm. was before. Cause right now I'm not, to be honest, I'm not having a lot of joy today, you know, and it's, it's bumming me out because I'm like, oh, I was so happy, like literally a week ago, you know, and just really like feeling like things were, things were good, you know, and, and things were like everybody, everything was in alignment and, you know, just leaving yeah. that positive vibe. So I, I think mean, that's but- where growth and strength mm-hmm. lies is within the hard times. Like it's really easy to mm-hmm. feel good when good things are happening. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, making good money. Kids are great. We're all healthy. Like it's very easy to be happy and positive and choose joy in those moments it's when the rubber meets the road and it's like, oh, this is difficult. Mm-hmm. That is where I think true growth and change begins. Um, so let's talk to the expert in this field because I'm not one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's, yeah. welcome, let's welcome her. She is full of joy, which is a good thing for us today. <laughs> She's going to bring us joy. Yeah. She can bring us lots of joy. The sickness and the sad. (laughs) Yes, yes. She's the joyful coach. She has a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching. Mm. 
She has an amazing podcast. Um, she's written books. She's just this really bright light and this spot of energy. So without further ado, let's welcome Sophie Cliff to the show. Thank you both for having me. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this chat. It sounds like it's a juicy day for you both to dive oh, yes. in. <laughs> and I'm just so happy that we're doing it in an English accent. So um, <laughs> you don't know where people are from until you speak to them and it makes it so much better. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I know that we have a lot to dive into. I think one of the main, I think we should start off by talking about like this holiday period. Um, for a lot of people, for me, I actually like holidays. I, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger, um, any tragic moments in my life, luckily, or trauma around the holidays. Um, I'm very grateful for that. I've got a lot of other shit that I deal with, but that the, the holidays are not one of them. That being said, I have a husband who does have a lot of trauma around the holidays and, a lot of friends who do or have lost loved ones and they can't be with them around the holidays. So sometimes I feel like the idea of choosing joy and happiness, which is what you teach, is sometimes good in theory, but it can be hard to put into practice. So how like how can people who are really find the holidays a tough time um, feel feel moments of joy? Yeah. I'm so glad we're starting here because you're so right. We hear all the time, like this is the most wonderful time of the year. It's like the season of joy. And like you said, sometimes it isn't because we've got some sort of trauma or some sort of negative thing that has happened that the holidays can bring up. Sometimes it's just because it's a really stressful period, right? It's expensive and we have to travel a lot and we're like perhaps out of our routine and we're not on our best A game and that takes its toll. And I think... What that looks like, there are a couple of things, I think, when it comes to the holiday period that are important. One thing that I always come back to is this idea of expectations versus reality. There's some research that shows we can only be happy when our reality exceeds our expectations. And so sometimes the holidays rub up against that because we have such high expectations and we expect Christmas Day to be a perfect day or New Year's Eve to be the best night of the year. And then it can be a perfectly lovely time. It can be a great day or it can be, you know, a great night out. But because it doesn't reach these levels of perfection that, you know, we've perhaps looked at all the images on Instagram and we've got our Pinterest board of how everything's going to go and it perhaps doesn't unfold in that way. We think that there is something wrong because we think there's this gap between our expectations and our reality. And so what I always encourage people to do is start there, start with what expectations are there what expectations do we have for our families? What expectations do we have for ourselves? What are we telling ourselves about how the holidays are supposed to, to unfold? And that sometimes just creates more space for joy because we're not sort of, you know, setting this really high bar. The other thing that I always like to remind people, you know, at, in all seasons is that joy isn't just reserved for the big things I think you know we live in this society that tells us joy is like the big vacations or the holidays or like the days when we you know have those big career highlights or and of course there are joy in all of those things but joy is also in the really small moments of just like realizing it's a beautiful day out or you know getting to spend 10 minutes with your kid or being able to eat something really delicious and sometimes a really great strategy at this time of year when things are chaotic is to tune into some of those small things because our brain is so consumed with the big stuff like you know what's the perfect gift going to be where do I need to be when how am I going to manage this schedule how am I going to make everybody else happy within this season and sometimes coming back to what what actually just feels good today where can I find a little pocket of joy within the day can help to sort of fortify us and give us a little bit of resilience to keep on going you know it really sounds like it's tied into gratitude <clears throat> yes. you know that joy is like very parallel to gratitude and like the more gratitude you have the more I'm sorry yeah the more gratitude mm -hmm. you have the more joy you can have in your life because that's sort of a natural place to start to like build it 
But then yeah. once we get through the holidays, you know, and it kind of turns into like January and then it's sort of like a bit of a downtime and people are getting back to work and like, you know, everything is starting up kind of crazy again. Um, how do we maintain that sense of joy throughout the rest of the year? Because, you know, then you kind of, you have this high, like, you know, with the holidays and yeah. seeing loved ones and, you know, all the gifts and like all the fun stuff. But then when that ends, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Now, you know, now what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And I love what you said about the connection between joy and gratitude. There's actually some really um, robust research that shows the most joyful people are also the most grateful. It's like one of our biggest predictors of joy that we have is how grateful we feel for our day-to-day -day lives. And I think that idea of coming into January and coming into the new year and, you know, that it can often be a time when we might feel blue or we might feel low, or also we sometimes get caught in this trap of thinking like we have to make these huge changes because it's January and, you know, our joy will lie on the other side of losing 10 pounds or like achieving the next goal or doing something big. And something that I always try to come back to and try to remind people is that what the research tells us about joy is that it lives in the everyday moments. Mm -hmm. So we often conflate happiness and joy and we think that they're they're the same things, but science tells us they're like two separate constructs and happiness is often very circumstantial. So we might feel happy because we've seen a friend or because it's Christmas day or because like we've just achieved something. Whereas joy is more something that we can cultivate regardless of you know, what is going on in our lives. And I think it was interesting, you know, you were talking earlier on about how do we find joy when we feel sad and we have those sad times. And I think there's lots of stuff out there around toxic positivity and, you know, we shouldn't just pretend to be positive all of the time. And, and I agree, I'm a big believer, even though I, you know, study positive psychology and that's what I, I teach. I'm a big believer that those negative emotions are there for a reason. And so if I have in that dip in January, maybe trying to understand what that's trying to tell us instead of trying to push it down or deny it or pretend that it isn't there. Is it telling us that actually I really enjoyed being connected to my loved ones over Christmas and I'm missing that now and I'm craving some connection in my day to day? Or is it that actually you know, I've come back to my normal routine and I feel like my normal routine is missing something because I'm not enjoying my work or I, you know, I'm not, I don't have these little pockets of joy in the day to day. And so sometimes the best way we can learn what to do more of is to try and tune into some of those negative emotions and learn from them and think, why do I feel like this? And, and sometimes, of course, it'll just be because we're sick or because we're run down or because there's like, you know, awful things going on in the news or that kind of thing. And it'd be quite obvious. But sometimes it might also be I'm craving connection or like I haven't moved my body a lot recently and I'm really feeling the effects of that or, you know, perhaps my current job isn't right for me anymore and I want to, to change and make a pivot. And I think that combined with remembering it's the little things that we're doing each day and it's the little you know back to that idea of we don't just have to wait for joy like we might for happiness we can cultivate joy we can think okay today has been a, a pretty crappy day but I'm going to go outside for 10 minutes or I'm going to call like a friend or I'm going to spend 10 minutes just being like really present with my kids or whatever it might be tuning into those little moments and giving ourselves those little pockets what the research tells us is that that helps us to build our resilience so it helps us when life is hard it helps to protect us against burnout it helps to um like fortify and strengthen us essentially so that we can get through some of those rocky periods and that we can have the strength to make the change um, that might be causing the negativity. Isn't there scientific research also that that proves that the way you think and what you think actually does increase neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin? Because I know, I know I, so I suffer from ADHD and I also work in a business where I get a lot of dopamine dumps. So I just mm -hmm. finished two films within the last, two and a half months and working at that pace I'm like there for 15 hours a day I'm in every scene a lot's going on a lot's riding on me there's a lot of stress which actually increases dopamine for me 
And then the minute I stop, it's just like, I'm done. Right. So this mm-hmm. huge dopamine dump. I don't really, I don't again, suffer depression, but I like, I'm lethargic. I don't really want to do anything. Um, sounds like depression. No, I'm not, I'm not sad, but I just don't really have the energy. I have like this huge dump and mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about the dopamine drip which is trying to raise dopamine slowly for people, especially like me who get these massive highs, which I think would work for everyone too, is, and by raising your dopamine or having like dopamine drips, you have to, your your thoughts really play into that, you know, and dopamine comes from exercising or eating certain foods or connection, but it also comes, it also comes from your thoughts, right? The way you think is how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. There's a um, model that we sometimes use in, it's used in cognitive behavioral therapy, but we also use it in cognitive behavioral coaching called the thoughts, feelings, action loop. And the idea is that how we think impacts how we feel, which in turn impacts how we act. So, you know, some of those days you get up and you think, oh, this is just going to be a crap day. And the thought is like, this is just not a good day that makes you feel like lethargic, tired. It makes you feel defensive. We then act in a way that sort of correlates with those feelings. So we maybe like eat the junk food or we like, you know, we binge watch something that we don't really enjoy or we read the negative comments or we do something. And then that in turn reinforces that same thought that this is a bad day. And it's almost like a race to the bottom. It's a negative spiral, but it's also true that, we can change that in the other direction and we can sort of interrupt that loop at any of those three points. So we can change the thought. And, you know, you said earlier on, maybe that's like change, you know, using an affirmation or maybe it's practicing some gratitude that can change the thought from, you know, like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen people using the, the phrase, instead of saying, I have to, you say, I get to, and, you know, if you say, I get to like, go and do this brilliant job today, or I get to go and like, you know, spend time with my family or whatever, instead of I have to, that changes the, the energy around it. So we can change that thought. We can try and change the feeling. So we can do something that interrupts how we feel. So that might be getting out and like getting some movement might make us feel good or it might be talking to a friend or it might be watching something funny or reading something uplifting or we can also change the action so we can be conscious I know that you know I'm in this negative spiral today but I'm still gonna stick to my routine or I'm still gonna do that thing that makes me feel good and that in turn challenges that thought and makes us think is this a bad day or you know is it just that I had a bad hour to start this morning and I really like that that sort of loop because I think it reminds us that we get lots of chances to interrupt stuff sometimes our brain can tell us oh you know well the day is ruined now or the week is ruined or the month is ruined and we can get stuck in that place and remembering that actually we can challenge the thought or we can do something to try and invite more of the positive feeling in or we can take an action that is going to you know change our thoughts and feelings it reminds us that we still have some element of control and I think that's really important you know as humans we are wired to want to feel like we have some sort of autonomy over our lives it's why so many of us struggled with COVID because it was suddenly like oh crap we don't have any control you know it's all been taken away and so remembering that we can, you know, interrupt our thoughts, we can challenge our feelings, we can take different action, regardless of how we're feeling. And like you say, injecting some of that dopamine or injecting some of that positivity throughout that cycle can that it, it gives us that power back to change, um, to change how that day is unfolding, perhaps. You know, that's interesting, because we all, you know, not all of us, but some of us live with other people. So it's, you know, yeah partners, husbands, wives, sisters, brothers, children, you know, parents, like whomever it is, let's say you're having a great day, you know, you're feeling the joy and everything, but the person you're in very close proximity is the opposite, right? Like, how do you keep from that person bringing you down? And then how do you also like impart your joy onto them? Yeah. Do you know what's so interesting? Uh, So I released my book at the the start of November and I did a little book tour and I went around 
various places in the UK talking about it. And we did a Q&A at every event. And that question was the only question that came up at every Q&A. And I thought, gosh, this is so interesting. We all must be battling this, that like, you know, we are trying so hard to be positive and to find that joy and to change that. And sometimes the thing, the biggest thing that is getting in the way might be a cynical partner or like a grumpy parent or a co-worker like I remember the days when I used to work in offices and you could go in in the best mood and if that one person just had like a bee in their bonnet that was it you know that mood was drained very very quickly and there are there are two things that I always say in response to that question in terms of influencing others it's so important to try and show rather than tell and I have to remind myself of this all the time because I spend so much time in the research that then when I see people not behaving in this way, I kind of want to say to them like, no, look, this is good for your health. Like you should change. You should do this. You should do that. And I want to, I almost like want to go into preach mode. And what is so important is that often we resist that positivity because, and I think one of you mentioned it earlier in the intro, it's because it feels unfamiliar because it feels unsafe. It's perhaps not been modeled to us before that, prioritizing joy is something that we're allowed to do and I think that's particularly true as women we're celebrated for being selfless or for putting everybody else before ourselves and so often when people resist that joy it's not because they love being negative it's not because like that's the the state they want to stay in forever it's because it feels quite unsafe for them to do otherwise and one of the ways that we can spread that joy and help other people is to model that you know is to to do it practice it ourselves and to show that it's safe and to show that it's making us feel good and I know especially when I talk to people who are parents or who have you know children in their lives that they have some influence over that can be a really motivating factor to to choose joy in our own lives is that we want to show that that's an option we want to show that that's safe for the the young people we love to choose as well I think to your other point and to the other part of that question, what is really important is to be conscious of our own energy. And like I said earlier, I know even just spending an hour with someone can change that state. You can be in the best mood ever and then you can walk out thinking, oh gosh, like, you know, what's the point? And I always like to just encourage people to be really intentional. So, you know, when I used to work in that office where someone was very negative, I would leave the office feeling really drained. And so I would try to do something on my commute that would change that. So it might be listening to like a really upbeat playlist. It might be listening to a positive podcast. It might be calling a friend who always makes me laugh, but doing something before that like negative mood takes hold, if that makes sense. So almost having a bit of a strategy in mind of, I'm going to go and see this person. I love them. Or I'm going to like, you know, go home this evening and my husband's going to be in a bad mood and, and that's okay. I love them and I support them. And, and, you know, I, I want to hold that space for them, but here's what I'm going to do to protect my energy. And that might be saying, you know, I'm going to go to bed an hour early and I'm going to read something really positive before bed and recharge that energy, or I'm going to go out for a walk and I'm going to move. And that's going to create some of that dopamine that helps me feel good again, but almost being conscious that we have to replenish that energy if it's been drained from us and I think so often we think we can just keep giving and giving and giving and that's when we reach that point of burnout when we are trying to pour you know all of our energy into other people we have to remember to take some of that back and to keep it keep it topped up especially where joy is concerned because it can feel so fragile sometimes but you know particularly if if that other person is in a really low place or is in a place where they need a lot from us. What about the people who are listening that, and this might be a tougher question, but you know, some people have clinical depression and some people mm-hmm. are genetically, you know, predisposed to it. I, I believe that mental health and I've been in this world for a very long time. I think it's a factor of three things. I think it's environmental genetic and, circumstantial and I think Mm -hmm. sometimes when you have all three happening at once it's it really leads to um either a huge anxiety disorder or you know really terrible depression um I do think that people are predisposed to it I you know we've had people who um 
some uh, experts who have done brain scans and can see that yeah. there are certain parts of the brain that are not lit up in certain people that are in others, um, sometimes too much. And that's what equates to anxiety and sometimes not enough, which equates to depression. So what about people who are like, you know, I can't feel joy. I can't feel happiness. I'm clinically depressed. Like, mm -hmm. I don't agree with any of it. Like, what would you say to someone like it, who's in, 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 in that feeling? Yeah. The best way I can think to answer this question is to talk a little bit about why positive psychology was developed and how it relates to treating our sort of psychological well-being in a, a similar way to we do our physical well-being. So for the longest time, up until the year 2000, psychology as an academic field looked at how we could basically make people better. So it looked at how we could take people from a minus 10 to a zero. So how we could help those with clinical depression or with various different, you know, mental health disorders that were causing them to feel different, minus 10, you know, rather than neutral. And all of the research was about how do we get people back to a place of zero? What we weren't doing was looking at how we could take people from a zero to a plus 10. And that is, is what positive psychology looks at. It looks at the people who are flourishing and doing really well and sort of understands what they're doing and creates interventions that we can then use in the general population to, to cause that improvement. When you talk about it like that, it feels a little bit like, okay, if you're in the minus 10 space, you should own, we should only be looking at the stuff that gets you back to zero. But if you think about our physical health, that isn't how we treat it. So if someone has, you know, a clinical reason that makes them unwell, if they have cancer, if they have heart disease, if they have something that is making them unwell, we don't tell them that we are only going to treat the cancer and we're just going to get them back to zero. We also encourage them to do all of the things that, you know, healthy people do to go from zero to plus 10. We tell them to take the vitamins and get some exercise and move their bodies and, you know, get some daylight and get enough rest. Those health promoting things that we all do day to day. We don't just rely on, you know, the, the medical treatment. Of course, that's a really important part of it, but we also surround it with all of this other good stuff. And we continue to do that other good stuff, even when someone has recovered, you know, if they are over the disease or they are over the injury. And I think we kind of need to take the same approach to our psychological well-being. So of course we need to do the things that are going to help people move from a minus 10 to a zero. And that might be therapy or medication or seeking different sorts of, of help that help with that specific disorder. But there is also benefit in doing the stuff that is going to help them to generally feel well. And that might be practicing gratitude. It might not necessarily be, I'm going to feel, you know, tons and tons of joy, but it might be finding five minutes of joy day to day. And I think that's where we need to kind of challenge the idea of what joy is. Something I often share is that I came to this work as a result of a, a traumatic bereavement. And it was a time in my life where I was suffering with really extreme grief and PTSD and people think like how how could you have found joy in that place but for me it was like a lifeline it was a reminder this is what is important this is what we're going to keep like going for this is the thing that gets us out of bed every day and I still you know had the therapy and did the stuff that was like about overcoming those specific things but the joy was the little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and I think that can be joy just as much as like the big wild celebrations can be joy sometimes joy is just noticing like the flowers are pushing up again or like the sun came out after days of rain or I've been having a really hard time but there's that friend who texts me every single day and checks in and that is just you know it, it's not necessarily even sometimes that we have to do anything different it's just I always say that joyful living is not a raising the bad it's giving as much attention to the good as we give to the bad because we are really, really skilled at focusing on the bad stuff. We're really skilled at worrying, at imagining what could go wrong, at thinking about who we might have upset or what we might have done that's going to like jeopardize our lives in some way. What we're not really good at is soaking in the good stuff. And that I think is the importance. It's not always about sunshine and rainbows and being happy all of the time. It's just about giving the good stuff in our life that bit of extra attention and I think it's it's accepting that duality of we can do both we can do the like healing of the minus 10 to zero and we can also 
adopt some of the practices that might just make us feel a little bit stronger, like we would with our physical health. You know, we would still do the things that are going to make us feel physically stronger so that we can have that strength to overcome the chemotherapy or to have the surgery or to do whatever we would need to do to fix the physical illness. You know, along with that too, uh, with health and mental health, you know, the end of the year, as we said before, is coming. So is it healthy for us mentally and emotionally to set resolutions or intentions for the new year? Um, is that going to bring us joy or will it actually do the opposite? I'm going to answer yes, but with a caveat. So there is lots of research that shows people who have goals and intentions are more joyful than those who don't because they give us a sense of purpose. They give us a sense of direction. They help us know how to use our time. And that is really, really important. Otherwise, we just we're just like big walk in existential crisis. Like if we don't know, you know, how we want to to plan our time and what direction we want to move in. The caveat, what is really important is that we have to make sure that we're prioritizing goals and intentions that feel authentic to us and that actually mean something. And we also have to pursue those goals in a way where we're not sacrificing joy in the process. And what I mean by that, you might have come across this term before. There's this phrase called arrival fallacy, which is the idea that we massively overestimate how happy or how sad things are going to make us. So, you know, you hear some tragic story on the radio and you think if that happened to me, I'd never be able to get out of bed. And yet when something tragic does happen to us, we can we've got more resilience than we give ourselves credit for. The flip side of that is we also think, gosh, if I like had that life, I would be happy. Or if I like scored that job or I earned that much money or I looked that way, I would be happy. And we overestimate how happy achieving certain goals are going to make us. And so two things I would always encourage people to start with how they want to feel to help set those goals because often we just sort of get to January and we look around and we get what I call like shiny magpie syndrome where we're like I want that thing that that person had and I want to go on that vacation and I want to achieve that thing and I want my like 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 kitchen to look like that person's on Instagram and we sort of collect these goals and we put loads of energy into them and then we sometimes achieve them and don't feel any better as a result because their goal their goals aren't really aligned with how we want to feel so I encourage people to start with okay if in 2023 you want to feel calm what are the goals that are actually going to get you there you know is actually taking on loads of work going to make you feel quite frantic and move you away from the way you want to feel or you know is it going to help you to to reach that goal so start with the feeling and then importantly make sure that we're building joy into the process because we know that you know, suddenly achieving a big goal isn't going to change our life forever. You know, we have this raise in our happiness baseline when we achieve something, but we quickly come back to the same baseline. We quickly adapt. And so what we don't want to do is sacrifice joy in the process. You know, we often think, well, I, like I see it a lot at this time of year approaching Christmas. People are like, well, I just need to work, work, work. And it's going to be fine because I've got a week off at Christmas and then I'm going to enjoy myself. And then as we talked about earlier, we get to Christmas and it's stressful and the in-laws turn up and everyone's arguing and we don't actually get that break. And we've sacrificed lots of joy in the process. You know, we've missed out on lots of stuff in that that countdown to Christmas. And the same is true with our goals. You know, it's not worth just hustling to achieve something quickly because we're not going to you know, the, the, the joy payoff isn't going to be big enough. So I encourage people to think about, okay, say you've got a goal of like wanting to, to feel healthier in 2023. Our brains sometimes go to like, what's the quickest way to achieve this goal? Well, it's to go to the gym five times a week and it's to cut out this certain food group and it's to do all of these things. But if that is going to starve you of joy in the process, that's not going to actually help us get to that goal of feeling better. So instead it might be thinking, what's going to feel joyful in terms of achieving this goal of feeling healthy. It might be going for a hike with a friend once a week and getting that catch up time in, or instead of trying to give something up, it might be trying to say, I'm going to eat more fruit and vegetables. And like, that's the challenge is we're adding something to our life rather than taking something away. And so goals can be really, really important in short, but it's how we approach them that is important and sort of trying to focus on the joy in the process and how we want to feel as a result rather than just doing things 
because society tells us that we should and society is always busy telling us what we should or shouldn't be doing especially in January oh yeah I mean I find the biggest problem comparison around this time like I I'll be in such a good place I mean I think I'm getting a little better with other people's negative moods because I just try to take myself out of the equation but it's like I start getting on a spiral of like you know as an actor you see people who are in your same field and they're doing bigger movies or more prestigious films or you know getting more accolades and I don't know what it is about that but I find it I find it like when I see other people doing better than me or my perceived perception of them doing better Mm -hmm. is I feel worse about myself and I think it's because I we get taught to live in this like scarcity mindset like instead of going oh that person's doing something great that's wonderful it means that I can too we go well that person's doing something great means that I can't you know instead of it pushing so I find that to be my biggest joy sucker is comparison yeah yeah Do you know what's so interesting as well? We only ever compare up. We never compare down. We never look at the people who might be looking at you thinking, gosh, if I had hair career, I would be so happy. Or like, she's amazing. She's just wrapped two movies in two and a half months. How is she doing that? We don't ever like give any consideration to those people. We're always just looking ahead. And I think it's a totally normal thing. You know, we talk a lot about how social media breeds all this comparison and being able to see everything all the time is is making us compare more but actually we're wired to compare because we're pack animals at heart and so comparing and making sure that we fit in is part of how you know we've evolved as humans and so I think the important thing is to not judge ourselves for the comparison but instead to try and like bring a little bit of nuance to it and to try and learn from it. So sometimes comparison can be a good motivator. It can be a sense of, it can tell us what we're missing essentially. You know, if we find ourselves constantly comparing to someone, we can maybe ask ourselves, what is it about that? Is it because it's like, that's the type of work I want to be doing? Or is it because like, I feel a little bit envious of their relationships or whatever it might be? Often when we compare, what we notice is that we might not even want the thing that other people want, but we've been told that society will like accept us more if we have that thing and that we will be celebrated more. And I think that's where we have to come back to like, how can we celebrate where we are already? Because we're really bad at taking the time out and sort of going, do you know what? I just wrapped two movies in a couple of months and that has been such hard work and I've poured so much time and energy into it. And I'm going to pause and celebrate that and give myself some time to really soak in this achievement. Instead, what we do is we think, well, that person did three or next year I want to be doing four. And so a really great way to sort of counteract it is to just take that moment of pause and take that moment of celebration and not necessarily compare yourself down to other people, but maybe compare yourself to, you know, if the you of 10 years ago could have seen this now what would they think or even the you of two years ago because so often what we're doing is like really amazing but our because of that adaptation that we have we've adapted to the idea you know I'm sure when you first got the call for these specific like jobs you were probably really excited and you're like this is amazing and they want me and but then we quickly adapt and we think well why do the next people not want me and so sometimes building in those moments of celebration and almost like really soaking in what you have achieved can help to build a bit of armor to comparison because and again it comes back to that that point of gratitude when we're feeling good about where we are right now when we are so in our own lives that comparison becomes more difficult when you're giving yourself a pat on the back and saying I did a really good job it's so much harder to think but not as good as that other person if that makes sense And also, you know, we're approaching the end of the year and just people at this time are feeling super burnt out. You know, it's like, right. People are just like phoning it. I just don't want to be on like even social media. Like my business is half on social media and I just want to take a month off. Yeah. It's almost like you can't because social media, it's like you have to keep feeding the beast. Yes. Even if you're exhausted by it. And I find that to be the hardest, not like a job where you can just like, like turn off. Yeah. Cause I mean, Tamina and I, we are our brands. Like we, the yeah. person that you see is the brand. So it's like, 
we're constantly having to, you like she's saying, post and like, you know, have a presence. Can't really yeah. tune out. If you do take a day off, people are kind of like, where did she go? You know, like yeah, what's, going, what's on? going on? Yeah. You have to like, at least post something, you know, it's like, so it's, it's funny because, and I feel like too, a lot of Hollywood, maybe this is a Hollywood thing too. They're just like pretty much shut down the month of December. <laughs> you know, people are like out of the office or traveling or doing whatever. And everyone is just feeling this general sense of like, I'm over it, you know? And so like, the end of the year. So what do we do if we're like in the midst of feeling that like burnout and just wanting to throw the towel on? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is like honoring that need for rest. That is like an important signal from our body that, you know, we need rest. And what I always like to to caveat that with is that rest isn't just lying horizontal. There are all different types of rest. Maybe it's like creative rest, maybe getting outdoors feels restful and that like fills us up. Maybe there's certain people that we spend time with that, you know, restore some of that energy that we need, but thinking about consciously topping that energy back up. Another really important thing, and this might particularly help with that sort of social media and showing up or people who are trying to show up at work and like, you know, make it to the, the end of end of the year is to, come back to like the purpose and come back to the why there's lots of research that shows when we have a sense of purpose we protect ourselves from burnout so some stuff coming out from the pandemic that showed you know doctors and nurses people who had jobs that were the most stressful and were putting them on the front line and were asking the most of them during covid they actually fared better than those of us who were able to stay home and you know like feel safe because they had a sense of purpose and meaning in their day-to-day And something I often find, because I have a similar thing where, you know, I am my brand and I have to show up online and share things is remembering, like coming back to like, what value am I adding with this? Or what value do I want to add? Like, what is the why? What what made me start doing this? Because and, and it's true for any job. So often we get caught in this habit of thinking, oh, like it's just a job and it's just money and I just have to do it because I've got like bills to pay and, you know, I've got to keep going. But most of us have something else that attracted us to the work that we do in the first place it might have been like I'm really excited to connect with people or for me it's like I want to remind people that there are different ways to live we don't just have to like hustle and grind we can find that joy in every day and the more we can stay connected to that why the more we can sort of build that resilience against the burnout and we can feel a little bit like there's a sense of purpose here I'm not just doing it to tick a box I'm not just doing it because I have to I'm doing it because there's that deeper sense of connection or meaning. And so I think that can be really nice sometimes of almost coming back to, and, you know, sometimes when I talk about purpose and meaning, a a lot of the time people think that we have to be like solving like world hunger or, you know, finding a cure for like the climate crisis or something. There is meaning in bringing a smile to someone's day, or there is meaning in making someone feel a little bit less alone, or there's meaning in pointing someone towards a piece of content that they're going to really enjoy. And we forget that sometimes we forget that the work that we are doing adds to people's days and it lights them up in some way. And we can get so consumed with the negativity of social media and, you know, meeting deadlines that we forget that. And so maybe taking that time to reconnect and think, what what is it that I wanted to achieve by doing this and how can I add a little bit more value through my work can almost fortify us a little bit and sometimes I feel like I do things because it's good financially for my family and it's like it's a balance of can you still that and find can you still do that and find joy or do you need to actually stop doing it all together and find something else that you can find joy in because it's a hard thing like I think a lot of people I think you're right when they say there's an attraction to certain jobs but I also think that people do jobs because they want to support their family and that's the attraction mm-hmm. the attraction is to be able to give their family the freedom of a better life and mm-hmm. that also can mean that they hate what they do um mm-hmm. and it's like this hard thing where people feel stuck and they're like I'm spending all this time doing this because I want to provide for my family but doesn't provide me any joy. And it's kind of, that sometimes I struggle with. Cause yeah, if I could act for the rest of my life and that's all that it is and my family could be fine on that, then that's my goal. But if if there's other things I have to do, 
because it financially brings money for my family. It's not necessarily going to bring me joy. I feel like I still have to keep doing that. Yeah. I think there are two things, important things in what you've just said. One is that sometimes that is the purpose, right? Is like remembering what we are providing for our family. And we forget that sometimes day to day. So we know that on like a logical level, we're like I do this because it earns money and it gives my family the type of life I want to give them. But when we're sat like in the car on the commute, we're not necessarily thinking like today is the day that's gonna pay for that vacation or like the money I earn today is what like pays the mortgage to have the, you know, which means that like my kids can have the dream bedroom that they want. Like we sometimes forget to make that connection between what we're doing day to day and what it provides us. And sometimes just a little bit of conscious energy of thinking like, yes, I'm gonna sign on to this project. And that means, you know, like, my kid can go on that trip or we can have the sort of lifestyle where like we can eat out whenever we want or whatever making those connections can bring us that sense of purpose and meaning I think the other thing is if people do have that that job where they're like this isn't bringing me any joy whatsoever what's important is we get that somewhere else and we have a hobby or we have something that we do in our spare time that helps us to top up that joy because otherwise what can happen is we become come really sort of like desensitized to joy and that's where we can get into that sense of cynicism is we just think I'm spending so much time doing this thing that I hate that I've almost forgotten what joy feels like and that's when we start to tell ourselves well it's unrealistic to find work that you love or it's not realistic to experience joy every day because we've almost like created cynics of ourselves and so you know, if you've got a job where if someone listening is like, I hate my job, I have to do it because I want my kids to have like a better start in life than I had. What's really important is that you are still doing something that is for you and that tops up your joy. So you remember what that feels like. And I think, you know, going back to what we said earlier about modeling, we often talk about what we want to give our children in terms of material things and the opportunities we want them to have in terms of education or opportunities, we often forget that they also learn from us about what they're worthy of in terms of joy. And so if what your children are seeing every single day is you sacrificing your joy, you feeling miserable, you not prioritizing that in your life, chances are in 20, 30, 40 years time, they're going to find themselves in that same pattern because that's what they've learned. It doesn't matter how much we tell them, I want you to be happy. I want you to do work that brings you joy. I want you to prioritize joy. If we're not modeling that for them, it doesn't feel safe for them. And so even if you can't get that from your work and you don't want to make that change and that doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel possible, it's still important that the people in our lives see us finding joy in some other way. And that might be joy you know in the connection with family it might be a hobby that we have it might be something that we prioritize but really making sure that we're modeling that part of a good start in life as well you know at the beginning of the podcast I shared my Botox experience mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to know from things like that like from Botox or from money or from like outside things can you find joy yeah Absolutely. Because we live in a world, right, where, you know, we talked earlier on about mental health being set within an environmental context. And we all like have an environment, you know, in an ideal world, we would all have like, you know, it'd be completely neutral and we could just totally choose, you know, what feels good to us. But that's not the world we live in. We live in like a capitalistic patriarchal society that has set these these norms for us. And I think, What is really important with any of this stuff is A, there's that freedom of choice, you know, that we talk about just like, that is what feminism is, is that we've got that right to choose and like, you know, that choice isn't being made for us. And I think that's what joy is as well, is that we have that freedom to choose what it looks like for us. And I think that's that's where the the line is and that's where the balance is is as soon as we're doing something because we feel like we should I often say that should is like the biggest joy killer as soon as we say like oh I should go for a run or I should like you know I should have a salad we're not going to find any pleasure in that thing because it becomes a chore and I think the same is true when we think well, like I should be getting Botox because I should look like this, or I should be you know earning this much money because I should have this type of lifestyle 
that's when we have taken our our choice out of it and that's when we have taken our freedom out of it and so if it's like you know what I feel so great when I get that Botox and that makes me feel really really good and that boosts my confidence that is great if it's like oh I should get the Botox because you know I should look a certain way and it feels like there's that real negative energy with it that's probably not going to bring us that much joy it's probably going to keep us stuck in that, that negative place and I think you know the same is true with money if it's like this is going to be so great to sign on to this project and earn this money. And it means we can like go and have this dreamy like vacation next year, or it means we can like remodel part of the house that's going to give us more space or or whatever it might be. Or, you know, it might just even mean you can buy the branded food that you want to buy instead of having to get the value range or, you know, everyone's circumstances will be different. If it feels really empowering like that, then that is a positive thing. If it feels like, I should be earning more money because my peers are earning more money or I should have this type of job because that's what my parents expect of me. That's when we start to to sap that joy. We're taking action that isn't aligned with who we are and what feels authentic to us. And I think that's the important thing to come back to is, does this feel like a should or does it feel like a choice? And so long as it feels like a choice, like go for it, like, you know, do whatever it is that is going to bring us joy within reason, you know, not harming anybody else. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I have a lot to think about. <laughs> I think I'll feel a lot more joy when like I can breathe <laughs> yes. out of my nose. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been like a journey for me lately. And I think I, I don't want to negate people who really do suffer from mental health challenges. Um, mm-hmm. That aside, I do think that happiness can be a choice and joy can can be a choice and I think it's very easy to believe that it's that you can't find joy you know in your own life it's very easy to live in that but I but I do believe that your your thoughts can really shift it's happened to me like I've been in funks and every day I wake up and I just even if I don't feel it I I write down five things I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. I keep talking through the reality of the situation because my mind likes to like, you know, go straight to the negative mm-hmm. instead of, and, and I feel like that even with um, with my husband, you know, I, there's a new thing that, I, that I've started to do when we argue is I start to get curious instead of mm-hmm. um, getting angry or shutting down. I just kind of go, oh, he just exploded about something. Like what's going on? Is he feel defensive because he feels like he's not worth it? Like what, what, where is it coming from? And I think, you know, sometimes he does do that with me. Sometimes he doesn't, but I can't expect him to do everything that I, I can only take control of my own emotions, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I've learned lately. And is it perfect? No, but like three times in the last two days, he'll get defensive about something and I'll be like, no problem. And I'll just back off instead of it being like, obviously you you were triggered and I let it go and then it doesn't really go anywhere because you don't feed it you don't feed the fire um so yeah there's you know that's kind of been my last year of finding joy on my path how about you Rox gosh I feel like for me a lot of it is like control too like (laughs) so really having to I think for me to like find joy is to be able to let go of control and things that are not going maybe the way I thought they were going to go or <clears throat> excuse me, or the way I, I had wanted them to go and they turn out in other ways to find like another solution, you know, and say, okay, so, you know, this didn't happen. So now what, you know, now I need to change my path a little or like do something different or make a different choice next time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's kind of like, um, sort of navigating in a different way, maybe. Um, And I think, yeah, I think also the gratitude helps a lot too. You know, it's like being, if I'm feeling really overwhelmed or feeling like things are, you know, going like, you know, the wrong way or what have you is really peeling back the onion and like taking like even a small moment, you know, and just saying, you know, thank goodness I get to, you know, we're doing this recording right now. This is so, so helpful. Or, you know, getting, you know, being able to walk outside, it's not always perfect. And I 
can't say that it always works, but it definitely has helped. I think, especially in the last year with just kind of like trying to sort things, because I think the last three years were so overwhelming for people, you know, it's like totally changed everything, you know, for everyone. And that's the thing. It was like a universal thing. So everybody felt it, you know, which was crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think just like for me, it's also getting like new tools just to kind of figure out, you know, direction sometimes and like how to like re-navigate things, you know? Yeah. I think what's so interesting about what you've both just shared there is it's like, I don't know if you've ever heard Brené Brown talking about the idea of the stories we tell ourselves. And it's the story that we're telling ourselves that causes the pain, not the thing. And so, you know, when we're arguing with our husband, it's like, the story I'm telling myself is he doesn't care or he's not listening or and like actually like you say it might be that they're triggered with something else or when something goes wrong or we don't get the outcome we thought we wanted the story we tell ourselves is well this is bad and we don't actually open ourselves up to the possibility that maybe there's a better opportunity around the corner or maybe there's something else and I think remembering that that we we can have we can't control the outcomes we can't control the situations we can control what we tell ourselves about those things and sometimes it is as simple as that as just sort of going like this is the story I'm telling myself at the moment is that I can't change things and I can't choose joy and that makes me feel miserable and so I'm going to change the story to be I'm open to the fact that maybe I can prioritize more of this I'm open to the fact that I can make choices And that in itself, to me, just feels so much more empowering. It gives us the power back instead of making us feel like something has to happen to us Mm -hmm. to make us feel joyful, which feels so, that just feels so disempowering. It just feels like we have to wait. And as women, we've spent so much time waiting, you know, waiting for other people to validate us or say that we're allowed to do things or give us permission. And for me, sort of, that's why choosing joy feels like quite radical in a way. It's saying, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait until I've ticked everything off my list or until I look perfect or until someone else has said I'm allowed to feel joyful. I'm going to like take it. I'm going to take it today. I'm going to seize it and I'm going to choose it in some way. And I think to me, I always kind of see that as like a bit of a like middle finger to the man. Like, yes, I'm like going to I'm going to choose joy anyway, even if you like haven't given me permission to. See, I need to get better about that, though, because if I'm like in the midst of, a, let's say, an argument with my husband and the anger is like coming yeah. up, you know, and it's just like <laughs> bubbling over. I'm like, oh my God, okay, I need to step back and like take a hold of the joy because it's mine, you know, but you and can not, only, yeah, you can only control what you yeah, say. Yeah. And don't let it feel like, cause it feels like maybe if we're arguing, like he's controlling my emotions, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus really it's the other way around, right? I control my mm-hmm. emotions. So mm-hmm. he can say whatever it can be triggering, but I can choose to like, not let it trigger me you know yeah. and also yeah. communication is such a big thing like I think fights are normally like one person being defensive it's defensive and then the other person is criticizing and blaming and then someone else shuts down that's kind of mm-hmm. how fights are that's just it's not two people communicating mm-hmm. um it's not no. someone saying I feel this I feel this this is what I need from you this is what I need from you both accepting your part in it and moving on it's like it's like the blame game. I feel like a lot of fights are just like you, 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 you. And I refuse to do it. Like when I start hearing you, I say to my husband, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to, when we can communicate with I, then we'll discuss, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, and I, I should go we... back and, and tell him that this fight, the fight's over. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing as well, to your point, Roxy, is we can be imperfect with this stuff sometimes we can know everything and we still get caught in the trap and it's because we've like carried that belief or that pattern around with us for decades and so it's a bit like um you know like when you do a meditation they say it's not about erasing the thoughts it's not about never going off track it's about noticing when you've been distracted and coming back to neutral I always think that with joy it's not about never you know doing things that upset us it's not about never falling back into old patterns it's about the the more quickly we can notice that we've fallen into that trap mm-hmm. and come back to to making an active choice the easier it's going to be to return to that joyful state yeah mm, that's a good point absolutely yourself back on track yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much I so appreciate it and I hope people yes. you know get a lot from this especially around the holidays and you know 
and to choose joy because it's my, it's what I'm learning this year. And I think it is possible. I've seen it. I've seen it happen within me. So I'm really, really grateful that you're here. Please tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So I'm at Sophie Cliff, which is C-L-I-F-F on Instagram. Um, my website is sophiecliff.com. I have a podcast called Practical Positivity, which is just short little episodes sharing some of this stuff, sharing practical ways we can put it into action. And my book, which was um, published last month, is called Choose Joy. Um, so if people search Choose Joy sort of wherever you would normally buy your books, that is there. And it's got lots of stuff in it about joyful goal setting, like we talked about, how we find joy during difficult periods, how we you know, navigate other people's emotions, all of that stuff we've talked about, we cover in the book. So if anyone would like to sort of, yeah, practice that and maybe have like a bit of a toolkit as the holidays approach, that book might be useful. I thought of a good idea. What if we did a fun giveaway with Sophie? Maybe um, a book or two of yours. Yeah, we absolutely. can give to our um, audience. When they oh, listen to this okay. episode, they can tell us a keyword. What keyword do we want? What- <laughs> Joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joy, maybe. Um, hmm. What's a good one? Sophie, what do you like? I wonder if there's maybe like asking people to sort of share with you what they're they're feeling grateful for that day because it is such a like it's it, it's so connected that as soon as we go into that place of gratitude uh-huh. we experience that heightened sense of joy and so sometimes just that little nudge and that little reminder to pause and check in and think what is good what is going well exactly. can be positive that's a great idea okay the giveaway is on then <laughs> the giveaway is on <laughs> on Thank you guys so much. We're so happy that you're here. We have some great guests coming up. And again, please remember to rate, subscribe, comment. And we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursock, a sick Tamin Sursock. (laughs) (laughs) And I am a Finding More Joy, Roxy Manning. (laughs) Yes. And we are Women. Women. Aww. Aww. Take it away, Sophie. Tough. Oh. <laughs> ah.